0: Chapters Five and Six of the Clock Struck One by Fergus Hume. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Five. Mister Edermont's High Spirits. After that extraordinary conversation with Allan's housekeeper, Dora returned home more mystified than ever. Like every one else, Missus Tice hinted at secrets of the past likely to affect the future, yet refused any explanation of such hints. Edermont and Jode acted in the same unsatisfactory way, and Allan, to avoid questioning, absented himself from her presence. It was all very tiresome, she thought, and perfectly inexplicable. Only one fact stood out clearly in Dora's mind, namely, that Lady Burville was responsible for all this confusion. Therefore, she argued, Lady Burville must hold the clue to a possible disentanglement. This was logical. Had Dora obeyed the impulse of her nature, she would have gone directly to the cause of these perplexities, and have demanded an unravelment. She would have put her questions in the crudest form, thus: My guardian was moved by the sight of you, and he orders me to avoid you. Your name formed the gist of conversation between my guardian and my lover, with the result that Mr. Edermont tells me I shall never marry Allan. Mrs. Tice, who is ignorant of your inexplicable influence, asserts the same thing and the creature joad hints that you knew allan's father on the surface these matters appear to be disconnected and incoherent but i feel certain that a word from you will render them explicable you must say that word to me since it is upon me that the trouble you have created has descended so dora thought ranging the facts in such vague order as her ignorance permitted but as she did not know lady burville and had no plausible excuse for seeking her she was forced to remain in ignorance for want of the explanation which she felt sure the woman could have supplied in her present dilemma dora with her usual good sense recognized that there was nothing to be done but to remain quiescent and wait later on allen would return from london indeed mrs tice expected him back that day and then he would be forced to explain his conduct the explanation might put the matter in a plain light and do away with the fiats of mrs tice and edermont regarding the impossibility of her marriage with allen come what might dora was resolved that she would not give up her lover and spoil her life but pending explanation and resultant adjustment of the situation she held her peace and waited the future was the future dora knew no more than that For a week after that day of mysteries, life progressed as usual at the Red House. Joad came and went with his usual punctuality, and eyed Dora in a furtive manner, with a distinct avoidance of explanation. Edermont recovered his nerve to some extent, and moved in his accustomed petty orbit, and Dora, lacking other interests, attended to her household duties. To a casual spectator, all things would seem to be going on as usual, the life would have appeared tranquil and dull, but this was but surface calm beneath dangerous elements were at work which later on were destined to but it is no use to recur to the hackneyed simile of a seeping volcano all these seven days nothing was heard of lady burville or of allan the former still continued to be a guest at hernwood hall the latter still remained in london not a line had been received from him by dora and hurt in her maidenly pride she became offended by his continued silence Whatever extraneous circumstances had led to his behaviour, she had not caused the breach, for breach she considered it, between them. Twice or thrice she had determined to go over to Canterbury and question Mrs. Tice, but pride withheld her. She remained at the Red House, waiting, waiting, and waiting. What else could she do? Mention had been made of the high wall which surrounded the mansion of Mr. Edermont. This had been built by himself and contained only two entrances one from the road a tall gate with spikes on the top the other a little door far down the right side the house itself like these gates was kept always bolted and barred and mr edermont confessed to a fear of robbers but bearing in mind his particular prayer in the litany dora was certain in her own mind that a greater fear than this moved him to take such precautions When joad had retired to his cottage at nine o'clock mr edermont accompanied him personally to the gates and saw that they were bolted and barred afterwards he examined the side postern and then retreated to the mansion where he closed the iron clamped shutters and locked every door throughout the house the woman who cooked and cleaned and did all the work was locked up in the kitchen with bedroom adjoining like a prisoner dora was barred in her own set of rooms and mr edermont shut himself up in equal isolation ever since dora could remember these precautions had been taken and by night she felt as though she were in jail certainly burglars could not break in but on the other hand none of the three inmates could go out unless permitted to do so by the caprice of mr Edermont, and on this point he had no caprice a week after his conversation with Allen, the conversation which had terminated in so unexpected a manner edermont sat in his study this was a small oak panelled room on the left side of the house and was entered directly from the hall it was plainly even penuriously furnished containing little beyond a bureau of innumerable drawers and cupboards a dingy sofa and three chairs the most comfortable of which was placed in front of the desk on the walls were paintings dark with age and an assortment of flint pistols ancient swords savage weapons from africa and the south seas and portions of rusty armour A window looked out directly on the lawn, but there were two doors, one of which led into the hall, the other on the opposite side, into the faded and lonely drawing-room which was never used. This latter apartment had three windows in the same position as that of the study, and also a glass door with shutters at the side of the house. The view from this door was bounded by a hedge of untrimmed laurel-trees. So much for the scene. Now for the drama. To Edermont, seated at his desk on this particular morning, entered Joad with a card held between a dingy finger and thumb. He advanced towards his friend with a malignant grin and dropped the card on the blotting pad. "Here is something likely to startle you," Julian said he with his usual familiarity. "Mister Augustus Pallant, on behalf of Laura Burville, is waiting to see you." The miserable Edermont turned pale and began to whimper. "Oh, Lambert, do you think he means to do me harm?" if he does it is on behalf of your dear laura joad replied quietly you had better pluck up your courage julian and see him it might be dangerous lambert oh dear terribly dangerous it will be more dangerous if you don't see the man why so after twenty years laura can do nothing i am not so sure of that julian she might tell dora who she is the mere suggestion struck a blow at the timid heart of edermont i'll see him i'll see him he cried getting nervously on his feet admit him lambert and bring him here but he buttonholed his friend remain within hearing lambert he might do me an injury i am not strong you know you are a contemptible little coward snarled joad shaking him off i'll look after you there is too much to lose for me to risk your death edermont threw up his hands with a cry not that word lambert there can be no danger after twenty years from battle and murder and from sudden death good lord deliver us as was his custom joad sneered at this prayer which edermont had offered up daily for the last twenty years and went out of the house in a few minutes he returned with a tall red-haired man whom he introduced silently into the study after the introduction he closed the door and went across to his favorite seat under the cedar to await events the first which occurred was the coming of dora she had seen the introduction of the stranger from her window and wondering what the visit might portend for visitors were rare at the red house she waited a reasonable time then sought joad on the lawn he looked up at her graceful figure with admiration in his eyes a look which dora resented it had occurred to her on more than one occasion that notwithstanding his age and physical defects this creature as she termed him had presumed to fall in love with her however as at present he limited his mistaken passion to looks she merely frowned at his amorous glances and asked her question why has mr pallant called she demanded how do you know that is his name asked joad without altering his position dr scott described him to me she said curtly why has he called julian can answer that question better than i can answered joad with a chuckle at baffling her curiosity and returned to his reading dora knew that he revenged himself thus for the frown she had bestowed on him strove to assuage his childish petulance i think you might be civil mr joad said she in an offended tone I have no friend but you. What about Allan Scott? There is no question of friendship there, said Dora stiffly. Allan Scott is my affianced husband. ho ho, your affianced husband! jeered Silenus, grinning. Well, Miss Dora, while Dr. Scott holds that position, I am no friend to you. Why not? asked Dora, nettled by the hinted menace in his tone. It's too long to explain it's too early yet for plain speaking but look you here miss dora a man is as old as he feels not as he looks i feel twenty-two and at twenty-two he leant forward with a sly smile one falls in love you are talking nonsense retorted miss carew drawing back and your conversation is not to the point i ask you why mr pallant came to see my guardian and i answer as i answered before replied joad rendered sullen by the rebuff that you had better ask julian as i am not your friend you can't ask me to tell you my secrets i don't want to know your secrets but those of mr edermont then speak to the right person said joad rudely i am not julian after which speech he began reading again utterly oblivious of the presence of the girl he admired dora made no reply but went back to the house at the door she was met by her guardian in a state of wild excitement he ran out shouting and holding out his hands behind him appeared the tall and well-dressed form of mr Pallant. dora lambert shouted edermont wildly congratulate me my nightmare is at an end i am free i am safe then he ran over to joad and talked to him with much gesticulation Thinking her guardian had suddenly gone out of his mind, Dora turned to Mr. Pallant for an explanation. He stared at her with undisguised admiration, and she resented it, as she had done that of Jode with a frown. "'What is the matter with Mr. Edermont?' she asked abruptly. "'Why?' said Mr. Pallant in a slow and sleepy voice. "'I have brought him some good news.' "'What good news?' "'I think Mr. Edermont will inform you himself.' said pallant and at that moment edermont still overwhelmed with joy came running back i am safe safe he shouted and after twenty years of dread no more of the litany no more of the oh god his joy was too much for him and he rolled over on the ground in a dead faint at the very feet of dora and pallant chapter six what happened in the night, and here was another mystery. Dora never learnt the good news which Pallant had brought to Edermont. The little man had fainted with excess of joy and was carried off to bed by Jode while Pallant took his leave of Dora and was escorted by her to the gate. He smiled as she turned the key of the lock. No need for that now, said he, passing through the gate mr edermont can sleep in peace without bolt or bar on account of what you have told him to-day precisely miss carew an account of what i have told him to-day dora looked at his sneering mouth at his bold blue eyes and asked a question which had been in her mind since she had seen him from the window were you sent by lady burville to tell this news mr pallant no i came of my own accord May I ask what you know of Lady Burville? I know nothing, said Dora gloomily. I wish I did. Why, Miss Carew? The girl did not reply. Pallant was a stranger to her, and she did not care to tell him of her belief that the fatal name of Lady Burville had made trouble between herself and Allen. Pallant noticed her hesitation. I see you do not wish to speak to me openly, he said, sneering yet you may be glad to do so some day good day miss carew and remember my words his horse was tethered to the wall and on bidding her farewell he mounted to ride off from the saddle he looked down at her fair face and smiled then he made a strange remark i shall give you one last warning miss carew beware of allan scott the girl stared after him in surprise was all the world in conspiracy to torture her with hints and mysteries jode edermont allen and mrs tice all knew of something about which they refused to speak it would seem that pallant a complete stranger was possessed also of the same knowledge what did he mean by his warning what had he to do with allen scott or even with edermont dora felt as though she were spied upon by a hundred eyes as though she were playing a mechanical part in some terrible drama, without knowing plot or actors or end. She was ignorant and therefore helpless. For the next few days she tried to learn from Joad and her guardian what all these doings meant. Both of them refused to speak, and the tension of Dora's nerves was only relaxed by a letter from allen in which he stated that he would return on the second of August and would see her the next day. He means to explain thought the girl putting the welcome letter away in her desk in two or three days i shall know why he quarrelled with my guardian and why mr pallant warned me against him but i must scold allen for his neglect the communication relieved her greatly of late she had been so bewildered and harassed that she had almost doubted whether allen loved her truly yet he had told her so a hundred times and she was satisfied that he spoke truly from that subtle instinct which never deceives a woman he loved her he adored her and none other than she would ever be his wife before that belief the dismal prophecies of mrs tice and Edermont, the strange warning of pallant counted as nothing dora believed that allen loved her and could explain away all the mysteries of the past weeks in that belief she was content to wait and all this time Mr. Edermont was surprisingly bright. A weight appeared to have been lifted off his shoulders, and he looked ten years younger. He was scarcely past fifty, notwithstanding his white locks and hoary beard, and he began to talk of leaving his retirement and going out to mix with the world once more. Dora knew that he had a large income, and could afford to live in the most luxurious manner. It had often been a surprise to her that he had lived so long in seclusion and almost penury from sundry circumstances she gathered that he had for years been laboring under a dread of death by violence hence his anxiety that the house should be carefully locked up now that the dread had been removed as he more than hinted by a communication from pallant and he could take life easily looking back on the fears which had haunted him these twenty years dora no longer wondered at the cowardice and terror of the puny creature rather was she astonished that with so terrific a shadow to fight he had kept himself out of a lunatic asylum stronger men than he succumbed to such influences from force of habit edermont still locked up the house at night he still sent joe to the cottage over the road but he no longer trembled at that tremendous prayer of the litany nor did he look round the church searching for a possible danger whatever the mystery of his life could be and dora was quite unable to guess it that mystery had been done away with, and Edermont talked of fraternizing again with his fellow creatures. One thing struck her as odd. When he recovered from the excessive joy caused by the communication of Pallant, he wrote a lengthy letter, and this he was particular to post himself. As a rule, Joad attended to the despatch of such rare epistles as were sent from the Red House, so Dora was astonished that her guardian should be so anxious about his especial letter. It occurred to her that it might possibly have been sent to Lady Burville, with whom she felt certain her guardian was connected in some underhanded way. But she had never learnt if her belief were correct. What she did learn, however, was that Edermont wrote to Allen at Canterbury during the last days of July. Also, he sent a third letter, but to whom Dora did not know. The first and last of these communications were posted with his own hand. The middle one had been delivered to Joad in the usual way. On the night of the second of August, Edermont dismissed joad as usual and locked the gates according to custom. Then he returned to Bolton Bar the house. In his study he found Dora awaiting him. You have not seen to the little postern, she said. No matter, he replied impatiently. I suppose it is locked. If not, why, I can afford to leave it as it is and sleep in peace. There is no more danger for me now. Of what danger are you talking, Mr Edermont? what is that to you he retorted with weak defiance why are you here go to bed and leave my business alone i will go to bed when you have answered me one question only one he scoffed you are more moderate than most women well why have you written to allan scott who told you i had done so mr joad he is too meddlesome cried edermont angrily "'If he does not take care, I shall dismiss him.' "'What right had he to show you that letter?' "'Because he knows that I am engaged to Allen? "'I tell you the engagement must be broken off.' "'Why, Mr. Edermont?' asked Dora indignantly. "'Alan will tell you. "'I wrote to him to call and see me. "'When he comes, you shall speak to him in my presence, "'and from his own lips you shall hear that he can never be your husband.' "'Until then I decline to consider the engagement as broken,' said Dora, very pale but firm. "'I am not going to be your dupe, Mr. Edermont. "'I shall force you to explain.' "'I—I forbid you to—to speak to me like this,' cried Edermont, shrinking back. "'I shall speak as I choose. "'I am tired of your selfish tyranny. "'And if Alan does not make me his wife, I shall go out into the world to earn my own living. "'At least I have enough to live on.' "'Enough to live on,' he replied slowly. "'Perhaps yes, perhaps no.' "'What do you mean, sir?' she demanded imperiously. "'A crafty smile played over the face of Mr. Edermont, and he shrugged his shoulders. "'Wait till Allan comes. "'Then you may learn more than you care to listen to. "'Now go to bed. "'By the way, what about your toothache?' "'Toothache?' Joad said something about it, was Edermont's impatient remark. You told him that toothache kept you awake at night. Very true. My nights have been sleepless for the last few weeks. I have heard that dreary-sounding chime in the hall clock ring from midnight till dawn. But my tooth is better to-night, thank you. I have no pain, so there is every hope that I shall have a good night's rest. I am glad of that, my dear, said Edermont, in a softer tone than was usual with him i would be fond of you dora if you would let me remember all these years i have stood in the place of a father to you i do not forget that mr edermont answered dora kindly you have been goodness itself the parents i have lost could not have been kinder to me perhaps not so kind said edermont sitting on the chair in front of his desk i need not talk to you about your parents dora why not mr edermont "'I should like to know.' "'A great many things,' "'interrupted the old man gloomily. "'But for reasons of my own, "'which you may learn some day, "'I am not prepared to gratify your curiosity. "'And after all,' "'he added in a significant tone, "'it would do you no good to hear the story.' "'It would do me this much good,' "'said Dora spiritedly. "'I should learn the obstacle "'which is a bar to my marriage with Allen. "'What would be the use "'of your knowing the obstacle, Dora?' you will never get rid of it take my word for that now good night good night replied dora thinking it useless to argue further i think you might kiss me before you go grumbled edermont i stand in the place of your father without a word dora returned and touched the forehead of the old man with her fresh young lips as she passed through the door a glance back showed her a picture which never left her memory in after life edermont his noble head with its white hair leaning on his hand sat by the bureau in gloomy thought a single candle served rather to show than to dispel the darkness and in the gulf of pale glimmer hollowed out of the gloom the man looked like some famous portrait by an old master the burden of years was visible in his silvery hair and sweeping beard of snow the burden of sorrow marked itself in the hollow eyes the wrinkled cheek and forehead the wasted hands he looked the incarnation of eld as seen in that spectral light in that tenebrous atmosphere dora never forgot that sight once in her room she lost no time in getting to bed her sleepless nights of the past week had worn her out and now that the pain had left her tooth she was glad to take advantage of the respite at first she thought about her guardian and his untold miseries afterwards of alan's strange behavior lastly her thoughts wandered to joad's sly looks and hinted terrors until sleep rolled like a wave over her weary brain and she became oblivious of the material world nature revenged herself for many vigils and soothed her into sound slumber how long she had been asleep she did not know but suddenly for some inexplicable reason she woke with a start and sat up in bed her nerves strung to their utmost tension faculties all on the alert it seemed to her that she had heard a muffled cry for help a wild appeal for mercy but now that she was listening with all her will she could hear nothing all was dark and quiet not a sound broke the silence of the still night after a moment or two dora believed that she had mistaken a dream for a reality and laughing softly at her own folly lay down again to sleep as her head touched the pillow the deep bell of the hall clock chimed one remembering how often she had heard those dreary tones in the past week dora smiled drowsily to herself and was soon fast asleep again when she again awoke it was dawn Someone was knocking furiously at the door of the bedroom dora leaped out of her bed unlocked it and flung it wide open meg gants the cook stood shaking on the threshold as pale as a ghost miss dora oh lord miss gasped the terrified woman the master is, 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 is dead!" "Dead!" replied Dora, in a dazed tone "Murdered!" and his head, O oh, Lord, "tis bashed in like a pumpkin!" End of chapters five and six.